0: How can we all think better about the whole process of starting a business or launching a new product or entering a new market? Think about plugging in rather than building.
1: This is the Economics for Business podcast. We are here to help all businesses become champions for customers and value. Improving lives with preferred and innovative products and services. We offer you the knowledge and tools to make your entrepreneurial journey a successful one. Now, here's your host, Hunter Hastings.
0: Hi, Hunter Hastings here. Our aim at Economics of Business is always to help businesses think better and then act differently as a result of that new thinking for greater business success. Today, we tend to think about building a business, whether that's a startup or a scale-up or a project within a larger corporate entity. First, building is a metaphor. There are no bricks and mortar and steel frames, and we're not ants building a nest. Moreover, the term building is burdened with the concept of challenge and difficulty and scarcity. It's about identifying all the components of a value network, assessing them, assembling them, drawing up contracts, orchestrating a supply chain of partners in manufacturing and shipping and warehousing services, opening distribution channels, and many more building steps that seem difficult when all taken together. The metaphor of starting a business or launching a product is fraught, with this imagery of difficulty and challenge. What if there's an alternative way to think? The alternative metaphor is plugging in, plugging into an existing network. It's a lot different than building. In this imagery, there are factories already humming, materials already tested, colors and fabrics already identified for you to choose from, designers already trained and on call, shippers and warehouses standing by, best practices proven and available managers trained, and management processes in place, talent identified, financing on tap, and a wealth of experience already gained and waiting to be transferred to you for your benefit. What should we call the functionality of this networked economy? Economists used to call it the production function or the capital structure. One of our favorite economists, Ludwig Lachmann, called it combination and recombination of assets. That's what entrepreneurs do. But what if it were already done? What if it were possible to plug your business idea and business model into a pre-built value network? Our metaphor now is more like plugging into a network of energy, there to draw upon as needed, precisely for your purposes. This is the new way of thinking about entrepreneurship. Our guest today is Stephen Bluestein. He's a brilliant and brilliantly successful entrepreneur. He's one of those founders who literally started in his dorm room at the University of Kansas with a pet toy company called Pride Bites, which he conceived, launched, scaled, and expanded. And then, having succeeded, he identified all of the difficulties and challenges of that experience, challenges we can classify as business building, and decided to address and solve them for entrepreneurs who follow him with a new infrastructure concept in a company called Gemba. Steve, welcome to the Economics of Business podcast. Thanks, Hunter. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're the CEO of Gemba, which is a company that streamlines the logistics of product creation. So we're going to understand that because I think it's a a vision of the future. It's where the capital structure of the economy is going. It's a very, very innovative and and big idea. I'd like to hear first, if we may, about how you got to this point. You started an entrepreneurial company before this one called Pride Bites. And I read that you conceived of it and started it in college. So maybe you can take us through that story a little bit.
2: Yeah, that's right. I guess, uh, you know, two kids and a family later, you know, it's quite quite some time since that point. So I think I have a little bit more gray hair since then. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, when we were in college, um uh, we saw, we, we all had dogs, my, my friends and I were in our group of friends. And uh, one of the dogs actually, I think uh, got hurt one morning at like a tailgate or something and ran across the field and had a piece of glass that cut, cut the dog's foot. And, uh, you know, we started to think, Hey, like, you know, there's no way for college students. If something, God forbid, something happens to your animal to, to really, uh, help that animal, you know, you're on a college salary, you know, budgets, and, uh, there's so many other things that you have to to pay for, et cetera. Uh, and then you have these beautiful animals and how can you help them? So we, we thought about creating basically a pet product company um, that would give back to, to you know dog owners or college students and need,s and really that that really expanded quite a bit, um, you know, from being a college mascot focused to dog toy focused to pet product focused to custom pet product focused um, over the course of being flexible and continuing to see where the market and the you know, uh, the uh, industry went, um, and yeah, lo and behold, we got with. Uh, together, um, went through the process of finding, you know, overseas uh, factories, et cetera, and um, launched this brand. And um, shortly after we launched, we won the best new product of the year in the pet space, um, which, you know, lo and behold, were much larger companies than us before. So um, we kind of took that and ran with it and um, really helped us kind of cement what we have learned today, which is, you know, a lot of supply chain um, knowledge and um, how to create products quickly and um how to grow a brand so it was a really great foundation um for what we do today
0: so what i read was that it was uh customized pet toys was was toys the focus and and if if it was why was it the focus how did you choose toys
2: yeah so it it ended up being custom pet products um a line of custom pet products and uh, we started with toys um you know, it was kind of the hero product we started with, uh, which was called the Pride Bite, which is a foam-based dog toy. And uh, before in the market, really, no one was using foam as a internal stuffing. Um, harder to work with, harder to manufacture. Uh, it, once in the manufacturing process, once the foam hits the air, it oxidizes. So it changes color and form and factor. Um, and so very kind of challenging. You have to really go from um, the time that the foam is created to, you know, uh, putting it within the product pretty quickly. Um, and so there was a lot of reasons why people didn't use it. And we started with foam um, because it actually um, had a lot of features that were good for for animals. It uh, broke up small. It passed through the bowel system very easily. It didn't get tangled up into organs. Um, also, was light. It could be multifunctional with taking it um, on land and in water. So there was a lot of elements to the fact that uh, why we wanted to use foam. So really, that, that was kind of the hero product in the line to, to allow us to understand like, hey, um, this is something that the market really wants. And then once we got in with that product, it was about expanding the product line and continuing to create uh, really high-quality pet products, um, which is a lot of what we talk about with our clients at Gemba, even, even today, is kind of starting with a hero product and building out work from one hero product.
0: What was the customization part, Steve?
2: Yeah, so at the beginning, we were um, actually taking your image of your dog, uh, hand-drawing it and then uh, printing it onto the product. Um, and also um, all facets, facets of the product were, could be customized. So um, top of the product could be a different fabric. The side could be a different fabric. You could have different zippers and feature sets. And um, that was really the bread and butter it was a logistics company. Whereas the order would come in from Shopify. Um, we would take that order from Shopify, break it into components um, of the pet product and then um, send that um, information to a factory um, in Chinese in the format they needed to hand it to their production line manager. Um, And all of that would happen at a touch of a button and be able to organize customization down to a single unit, um, unlike they were doing before, um, which allowed any factory to come on board who was used to retention-based manufacturing to actually start working with Pride Um, and so that was kind of the key element of the black box we had operating, um, the company at the time, um, which allowed us to do mass customization.
0: So you're a bunch of college kids with an idea. How did you find manufacturers and distributors and supply chains and designers and all that kind of stuff? Presumably you had no knowledge of that. So you started from scratch. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we, uh, you know, just like everybody else, we got on Alibaba and, you know, started to to find contacts. And at the time, I had a Chinese business partner um, who helped us get set up. So I remember, you know, at the University of Kansas, we would go uh, into campus to one lecture hall that was, you know, not obviously not uh, with students at night. And we would use that lecture hall and we would ride all over the whiteboards. And um, at night, we'd be calling factory owners and talking to them and we dwindled it down and we got rejected by 99% of them. Uh, Because no one wanted mass customization at that point. Uh, It was this was you know early 2010, and uh, you know there was just retention based uh, production going on, and Alibaba was starting to get a lot larger at that time. Um, And so yeah, it was just a lot of pounding the pavements, uh, calling one after the other, presenting ideas, and then I think we went through about 40 to 45 different prototypes of our first toy uh, before we got one final. So. A lot of grunt work was put in, a lot of sweat equity, um, to really you know go out there and find the right uh, right factory to work with.
0: Do you assemble that network yourself, or does Alibaba do it for you? Kind of thing.
2: You know, is a great white pages. I think you know a lot of why we started Gemba at the very beginning was because we heard a lot of people using Alibaba, but in fact they weren't connecting with a real factory; they were connecting with a trading company or somebody else who was on there posing as a factory. Um, So I think uh, Alibaba is a great initial resource to check what's out there, what's being made. Um, But i would always be very, very cautious um, in terms of uh, going through and and understanding who you're working with um, on Alibaba because I think um, now it's gotten to be so crowded and convoluted in some degree. So um, a great place to start at least.
0: One more question about Pride Bites, just because it's fun. You were on Shark Tank. And and what, what was that experience like?
2: Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I never would imagine in a million years that my first business would be successful because of a TV show. And, um, you know, I think, uh, it, it was just so, uh, so amazing from the time, you know, we went through like so many different interview processes to get to the main point of filming and then going through the filming, uh, was, you know, I have goosebumps, like thinking about it right now, um, uh, was just so awesome. And, um, even the, the buildup, you know, Pride had about $3,000 left in its bank account the day that I got the email from Shark Tank saying that we were going to be on Shark Tank. And uh, then we turned around and raised a million bucks in 72 hours, which kept us alive. So there were so many parts of it from, you know, the full journey of the experience going through it, having our, you know, our launch event where we we, uh, aired for the first time and we had a big event in Austin, Texas. And, um, all of it was just amazing and um, yet just very thankful of the experience that we got to go
0: through. Did any of the shocks invest?
2: Yeah, so we got uh, we, we got a deal from two of the sharks on the show, uh, both Laurie and Robert. Um, so that was very fun. and uh, you know going through with them and uh, learning in terms of how to grow and expand. Um, after those times um, as a team was just something that was uh, I'll never take back. I think those experiences were fantastic.
0: Well, let's do the transition from Pride Bytes to Gemba and especially uh, describe for us the Gemba business model, Steve, and how you, I'm imagining you've saw the difficulties in Pride Bytes and you've solved them with Gemba. That's probably a bit simplified, but tell us about the transition.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, just solve the opening in the market to help more businesses like Pride Bytes expand and grow. Um, and, you know, do what we do best. If I got to take back all the time that I spent, you know, I, I've been to China um, before COVID uh, 60 plus times over a 10-year period, um, and I had to learn the language in order to to manage my teams. So I think um, with that, you know, if I just take back all that time and think how can I focus on the customer and going after the customer and the things that I think matter most to my business at that time, um, you know, I couldn't even equate how much time I'd have back in my possession to be able to grow and to work on the ground. And so, I think that's really what um, you know what what drove us at Gemba is really to empower the entrepreneur to be himself, herself, um, and their approach, and to leave the operations aspect of things to those who know it best. Especially since um, production and supply chain have so many ups and downs that an entrepreneur is always pulled into the fire to deal with those issues. And if they can just not focus on those and keep the mindshare focused on developing the business, um, that's often the best place for them to spend their time. Um, And so that was really development of Kembo, which is um, really the first product marketplace um, for product development and um, really growing kind of outside that in all different ways to help um, entrepreneurs create products.
0: So I imagine you've mapped out the entire value network that an entrepreneur needs to to get to market. Is that, is that a whiteboard? I mean, is, what, do you have a blueprint of that? What does that look like? Or do you, do you customize it for each entrepreneur?
2: Yeah, you know, we, we kind of break it into a variety of different thinkings in terms of the journey itself. Um, but essentially, it's based on complexity. And then it's based on whether the product is soft goods or hard goods or electromechanical um, and so based upon those features, as soon as I talk to somebody, a brand, a big brand who's been doing this a long time, has a lot of products or even an entrepreneur is just getting started, um, in our head, we can place them um, and we show obviously very visually um, where that where that entrepreneur, where that brand is starting in their journey or in their journey, um, if they're already in production, um, based on the complexity of product and the product category that it is. And then um, very easy, it maps out a journey, um, have costs, et cetera, that are associated with each milestone as they move through it. And um, yeah, very, um, very easy um, to, to kind of just start the process of that journey. That's how um, our model works. We're non-traditional in the sense that um, traditional sourcing companies um, would take a percentage of your production order. Um, our costs range about the same, um, but we do it evenly so that we can provide much better support and service to somebody throughout their journey. Um, from the very beginning, um, so that's kind of how, how the function of, of Gemba works internally.
0: What, what does that mean, evenly, Steve? What, you don't you're not charging a commission; you're you're billing services.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we we price out per journey what the cost of the journey would be with us, um, and just bill evenly throughout the months that you're on that journey, um, so that we don't take a percentage of your purchase order or your production when you get there. We can be completely transparent. We can connect you directly with the factory. Which creates just so much of a better process because um, the way sourcing companies and traditional trading companies work, you don't really know the cost that they're charging you. You don't know everything that's baked into that, and you may not have a relationship with your factory itself. You may be working through some you know intermediary um, that really controls all your molds or the things, the tooling that that are so important to your business and the livelihood of your product. Um, So with us, we're completely transparent in that process, um, which allows us to be able to pack a lot more service um, into the process that you go through when you create a product.
0: So what do I have to bring to you as an entrepreneur? Let's say it's pre-market. I've got an idea. Maybe I've got a prototype. I might even have an MVP of some kind, but what what do I have to bring to you in order to initiate that process?
2: Yeah. So um, a lot of people come to us without an idea or an idea. Um, we have, um, reports and different things that we can work with. Um, You can rent time with experts. So if you don't know exactly what you want to do, you can rent time with experts where you can sit down and brainstorm and get things on the paper. And then from there, we have a whole bunch of different reports that help you uh, identify different opportunities within the marketplace um, or different key features that you would like to use or implement within your product category or your product itself. And um, so you can be kind of at any stage. You can also be uh, an existing business that has um, existing supply chain, existing product set up, and either you're looking to relocate your supply chain or launch new products within that supply chain. So really at any stage, you can come and work with Gemba.
0: So it sounds like you're providing me with a, a uh, kind of a corporate infrastructure. You've got a research department, a marketing department, an operations department, a costing department, a finance department. Is that right?
2: Yeah. And the way that we do that is by the network. Um, we go out and recruit really the best people in the world to help you and then connect you with those folks through our network. Um, And so that's the way that we're able to really get best-of-class service in each category um, is by really handpicking and developing the network for you so that you don't have to go out there and spend the time to do it yourself.
0: Yeah, and I don't need to hire either, right? I don't have to be good at hiring because you'll get the best people for me.
2: That's right. And if if there's any time that person – that you're interacting with is not working out. It's no problem. You know we can quickly swap out somebody um, that that would could you know that could join uh, your journey uh, and, and fill in the place so that you can experience different people or um, different providers at any time if something was going um, in the direction that you didn't want it to go.
0: Now, presumably, there's change in that network, the comp- competition is changing, and best practices are changing, and software technology is changing is so. How do you keep up with that? How do you keep your network refreshed and always best in class?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Um, we have uh, vendor success managers and we have network success managers who are constantly um, out there meeting new folks and um, at the top trade shows out there. And, um, you know, we, our head of design um, came from Dyson and was the director of innovation at Dyson for a long time. So we've really gone out and found best of class folks and brought them over to Gemba. And then they're going out and recruiting um, the best in their field. Um, So really using the best of the best to go out and hire the best of the best. That's the best way we can describe it.
1: A quick note. Economics for Business is a uniquely Austrian platform to help entrepreneurs build value generating businesses at every stage of the entrepreneurial journey. We've now launched online with an outstanding database of entrepreneurial knowledge, tools to solve specific business problems, and a community exchange to share information and experiences. Check it out at econ4business.com. That's E-C-O-N, the number four, business.com. Explore and let us know what works best for you in the feedback section. Now, back to our conversation.
0: Is there any pattern to the entrepreneurial needs, the the demand side. Steve, do people need more on the operations and manufacturing side? Do they need more design? Do they need more marketing? They try to raise money through you. What's the peaks and valleys of demand?
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think on the um, design help and supply chain help, so developing the products from scratch, needing the um, designers to create tech packs um, and design visuals um, to hand to a factory and also on on the side of finding the right supplier. Uh, and managing that supply chain once you have them. Um, Because I think that's where the rockiness comes from the development process. It's um, one, not being able to find the right designers who really understand your needs, um, and then having the right team who can manage that designer. Um, Because oftentimes, if if I go work with somebody who's an engineer, and I don't speak the language of an engineer, I'm going to have a hard time communicating with them. But using professionals who really understand the process to manage your design team, etc., Um, I think really helps reduce um, a lot of the time that you'll waste um, and cost that you'll waste on not knowing specifically, right? The unknowns of the unknowns. Um, And then the same thing on the supply chain side is we've launched thousands of products to date. And I think having us in our integrated supply chain network allows for um, de-risking all the ups and downs and um, some of the um, security issues, obviously, um, with working with factories and so just really having that bridge point. And I think the final piece from Gemba's perspective is bringing that all together. So you can go to a design firm, you can go to a supply chain company or a sourcing company, but they don't integrate. They don't talk to each other. So our integrative approach obviously allows for seamless transition to go from design into supply chain and allow it to be you know, very, very seamless, as you described, with all these tools around you so that you don't have to think about what you're doing. So... We really bring all that network and all those tools to, to you as a brand or an entrepreneur um, to really cut back on that time and cost.
0: Can you do formulation? So let's say I'm thinking of a household cleaning product that is uh, effective, but non-toxic and environmentally friendly. And I'm not a chemist. It's an idea. Can Can you do that kind of formulation? You
2: know, we don't uh, work with ingestibles. Um, uh, we would call them potions and lotions. Uh, we have great partners that um, are formulators that we can definitely connect you to. And then we would do the packaging and all of kind of the the um, material products that would go into it, hard good products that would go into it. Um, but we don't do the physical ingestibles.
0: Okay. Um, you mentioned some risks in supply chain about, you know, what if, what, if, what if your customers find out that your garments are being made in a sweatshop or in... Uh, you know your your metals are being mined with human trafficking in Kenya or something like that. Can you can you search out all of those potential problems and and avoid them?
2: Certainly. Yeah, we we bet all of our factories um, have an inspection protocol that they go through, and they go through the onboarding process with us. Um, so do the best we can to root it out. Um, also do in person inspections, um, and the factories can note that. Um, on our network as well, you can see that specifically that they've gone through an inspection from Gemba. Those that have or have not. So, um, depending on your risk tolerance, you can definitely leverage us in order to provide um, further um, assistance on reducing reducing any risk that you would have with working with a supplier that uh, you would not be interested. I often say you want to work with a supplier that you'd be willing to take your mother uh, to them and into that factory, um, and that's what we like to say here at Gemba as well as. I want to connect you with a partner who you feel very comfortable with. Bring your mother to the factory in order to see what's going on.
0: So, is it possible, Stephen, to ask you take me through a case history, takes without giving away any names, maybe, or or you know something that that you've been through recently from beginning to end that's been successful, and just kind of trace that journey, as you call it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll specifically highlight one part of it. So we have several different journeys. You know, We have simple journeys. These are things like white label products you can just go buy off the shelf. Um, we have what we call our direct to manufacturing journeys. Um, these are slightly custom journeys where we use these key feature reports I was talking to you about to identify openings in the marketplace, finding products that exist on the market that are being produced currently, and adding those key features to those products so you slightly modify them and Make them more uniquely yours. We call those direct to manufacturing journeys or custom journeys. And then finally, a unique journey is if it never existed in the world and you're developing it from scratch. So I'll talk a little bit about today about a D to M journey or direct to manufacturing journey because I feel like for um, someone who's starting out or an entrepreneur specifically, you know, speaking to to your audience, I think um, this is a good good focus um, because it allows you to really go through product development without a lot of the cost or time. Traditional product development, you know, could take you know, 30, 45, 50 weeks to develop and a lot of cost, right? If you're developing from scratch, you have to invest in tooling, et cetera. Our direct manufacturing model kind of goes completely against that and allows you, as I said, to take something that exists, modify those to make it more uniquely yours and then launch that product. Um, So we had a company come to us who wanted to launch a new integrated speaker, uh, a brand new Bluetooth speaker that had never been on the market within their category. Um, We went out, found factories that already existed that made really great technology products within the speaker market. We then had designers that connected with a designer within our network to run a key feature analysis of all the different speakers that were out there and products within their market to understand what key features didn't exist that they could add to the speaker and make it more uniquely yours. Um, Went through the process, connecting with the factory, connected with a designer, um, got to that concept. Talk to the factory about making the adjustment within that product that already exists. They were completely open to the feature set adjustments, putting their logos on it, making it more uniquely yours. We were able to launch that product within a five-month period to market. So really, um, cutting out the time and cost that it takes to launching product to market um, is something that we think about top of mind here every single day.
0: Wow. That's really impressive in terms of time saved and Presumably, as you say, the entrepreneur can be focused on other things while you're working in the supply chain to put it all together. That's Absolutely.
2: Beautiful. Absolutely.
0: Uh, you mentioned you don't do ingestibles, but this is a, a different question. Is there any part of the supply chain that you don't cover? Is there anywhere the entrepreneur has to go that, that uh, you're not providing to him or her? Not on the hard goods part. I think, um, you know, after
2: we uh, create the products, um, we often then partner um, downstream with several inventory management companies or 3PLs um, that we like to partner with. Um, And so um, we won't do the downstream. So selling it or anything else, but on the supply chain side, really, um, there's not much that we will not do. So from QC to compliance, et cetera, we all have those people within our network um, that can really support all elements of it. So at this point, uh, we'd be quite surprised if we ran into something uh, within supply chain that we didn't have in our network, but we're always open to going out there and finding it and bringing it to the network as well if we don't have it.
0: What about financing? Do you help entrepreneurs with financing, raising money? Um, we have a couple different uh, financing partner
2: solutions that we pair up with as well. Um, anywhere from revenue-based financing to um, some sort of um, debt financing or uh, factoring uh, inventory management uh, financing as well. So have a number of partners um, that can help with the financing elements. Uh, Gemba doesn't do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, a number of great partners. Um, OnRamp is one of them that I can think comes to mind immediately. Um, great partner in the financing space that can help um, for revenue-based financing and getting um, new ideas off the ground.
0: And what about marketing? Is that something you leave to the, the entrepreneur? It's their job to develop their own market?
2: Yeah, well, you know, the designer, we can connect with the designer and do the branding. Um, That's something we do a lot every day and do package design, et cetera. Um, But when it comes to developing the brand design, uh, typically, yeah, we integrate with other marketing companies who would help uh, with that as well.
0: Well, it's a fabulous story, Stephen. And as we discussed a little bit in advance, a part of my mind goes to this idea of the new entrepreneurial society and a new... Capital structure for the economy, where uh, an entrepreneur can focus on ideas or maybe the early stage of development, but the the supply chain can be assembled by Gember or around that entrepreneur. And so now we've got a much more productive, innovative, idea-driven, uh, customer-focused kind of economy. Is that? Do you see the same thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we I just got back from India. You know, meeting with our teams and seeing um you know our operations out there and um every day you know the global environment is getting better and better in terms of um expertise and skill sets and um really uh, linking all this together i think is uh, is an amazing thing an amazing part of our um world that we live in today um and so i think you know we continue to see um different products that come out that will bring the global economy small, smaller and allow you to interact uh with with people all over the world in such a unique way and so and um, we're so excited to just be a part of that and enable um, that for supply chain and product developments um, uh, in terms of the global ecosystem, a small part of of that journey. But um, yeah, we're really excited for all these enhanced tools and how it helps brands um, continue to deliver great products in the future.
0: One of the things we see when we look at uh, the traditional big corporation is there's a lot of, of- Value destruction and value extraction. They have giant HR departments and compliance departments, and there's all kinds of ways that they're not focused on the customer, not producing value. So, will will this entrepreneurial society? Uh, what's the right word? Undermine or maybe change the role of giant corporations? We'll have a lot more middle-sized innovators. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think you've certainly seen it. You know, in in our world, we the Amazon aggregator space. You know, we saw new players coming coming to uh, consolidate um, existing product companies and um, really uh, kind of work at a more flexible structure that I think corporate America um, hasn't yet seen. So I think we'll continue to see that disruption as it um, becomes easier and easier to create products and launch different companies and um, work within this global economy. Um, I think that we'll continue to see great innovations. And I'm excited. I think it brings more competition, which ultimately is only going to um, create better companies and create better performance. So at the end of the day, um, yeah, we're really excited to see all the innovation that's coming through and, and really helping the little guy. Um, I, I think it's a, a really amazing opportunity.
0: Yeah. Do you you must find ideas or concepts or market gaps or opportunities in your travels and investigations? Do you ever turn the journey around and you you take it out and say, Hey, here's an idea that needs needs an entrepreneur.
2: You know, we, I think about it a lot. I have too many ideas. I think if you ask my wife, she'd tell you that uh, I constantly have new ideas. So for me, it's about focus, certainly. Um, you know, I have two, 2 great companies, get to work with amazing entrepreneurs every single day. And, um, you know, I think it's just really something I'm super passionate about. So try to do as much as we can to, um, you know, place entrepreneurs and ideas together. Um, a new part of our business we're working on right now is called the Future Product Catalog. Where we're working with a lot of factories to actually develop new concepts, so that we can bring them to sellers here in the states and and and, and really broker this partnership together, um, so that it can really again reduce the time and cost for sellers to go ahead and create new concepts by allowing the factories to bring the design and ideas forward rather than the the sellers, which is the traditional business and how it's always worked. Um, so again, here at Gambo, we're trying to create new exciting ways. Um, to cut down on that product development journey um, and to deliver extreme value. And I think um, we see that more and more every day um, as we continue to see all sides of our marketplace come to fruition.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. So the flow can go in both directions. And what what give me an example of that, where a factory comes up with a, a new capability or something that that flows from them to the entrepreneur? what What's an example? Yeah,
2: so I you know I have an incredible factory that we've been working with. Um, that that uh, has made all the accessory products for GoPro, the camera company, and a camera accessory company, and um, so they came to us um, and said, "Hey, we would love to. You know, here's our our product catalog. These are pretty much old accessories and concepts that we've had over the years. We'd love to come out with the 2023 version. Um, so we're really taking a couple concepts, um, connecting them with American designers or designers that are either you know from Europe or UK, etc. Um, just Western designers." and um, allowing them to use market data that we're using in these key feature reports and these product opportunity uh, product opportunity reports that we have at Gemba and really allowing them to refresh their catalog and create new ideas and then we're taking those ideas that are usually incentive backed right so either factories willing to give off 50% off the tooling costs or give a discount on their first order in order to attract a seller to come work with their factory so again the seller as all they have to do is kind of showcase what channels they sell to and how they're selling. Um, And then they could go partner with the factory and reduce the amount of time and product development costs that it takes for them on a typical basis by leveraging the factory to do that. So again, you know, I think um, we have this uh, factory we've helped him develop these new products. And now we've connected him with the top seller who's now selling that product um, within their channels on Amazon. Um, So really cutting back the time and cost it takes for sellers um, to develop and create and launch new products.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We call that expanding the value pie. There's, there's value for both sides and the pie gets bigger and both both sides participate in it. That's I love that. I,
2: I may have to quote you on that.
0: Yeah. you. It's yours.
2: <laughs> Sounds good.
0: So you're dealing with uh, countries all over the world and people all over the world. Do you see any difference in the kind of entrepreneurial energy or spirit is you know, in India versus China versus the US versus Europe—is that differentiated, or you got entre- entrepreneurs everywhere?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, there's definitely entrepreneurs everywhere. I would say, you know, the focus and um, y- you know where where the opportunities are, um, you know, usually are a, a bit different. Um, certainly, culturally, you know, things are are much different. So, I think, you know, it's very interesting to see uh, what different areas are focused on what. Um, specifically, and and also, what's really interesting is how fast ideas reach around the world. Um, you know, as soon as like, something comes up with one concept, and you check another market, it's amazing to see that that concept's already developed in that foreign market already. Um, and, and, and that was, my my, my biggest eye opening uh, uh, experience when I was just came back from India is just how fast trends got to India. Of things that literally last week in America hit the news, I got into India, and really, it's everywhere. Um, so I think right now is the global economy is just so small and the reach is just so small that I think um, it's really going to be incredible what the next 10 years brings within product development and global supply chain. Um, as we start seeing other communities and other manufacturing um, areas start to emerge, um, Costa Rica, and Nicaragua, so South America, right, and Colombia really starting to emerge as um, these great opportunities in supply chain, um, whereas we've always thought about China um, and where the infrastructure in China is so incredible, um, I think we're going to start seeing other areas around the world really start to develop as well. So um, I think that that will create new entrepreneurs in each of those markets, I think, that we're yet to see.
0: Yeah, you must be building just an enormous database or knowledge pool of understanding and insights and trend analysis and all of those those kinds of things. Is, is that is there a way for you to formally capture that, or it's just the flow of Gemba as it as it keeps going? Yeah,
2: yeah. So we uh, we have an app uh, that we use as well. Um, so when you sign up for Gemba, you you join our platform, um, and there in that platform, you know we're we're collecting a lot of customer insights um, on how the process works, um, and and that's the really the the feeling behind it is the bread and butter is is really continue to capture all this data to understand. If I get another product, you know, if I have one shoe, I made one shoe, and another shoe comes along. Well, the economies of scale and 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 the learning curve between going from the start to the finish. Well, we've already been through that process, so um, we know the exact supply chain necessary to get set up to move the quickest way possible. So, um, you know, we try to uh, impart a lot of that knowledge um, on our entrepreneurs when they're working with our team, our category leads throughout the process and their journey. Um, But you know, I think it's always that um, interaction between entrepreneur and us that really um, constantly evokes and constantly allows us to see new opportunities um, in customer data and insights that um, we're not thinking about at that time.
0: So that brings up another thought about trying to understand the interface with the entrepreneur. Do, if I'm the entrepreneur, do I deal with an account manager or some, some equivalent of that in your organization, a person, or am I dealing with the digital database? Or how am I, What's my relationship with Gemba?
2: Yeah, we have account managers that work directly with our brands and our sellers. Um, and uh, you can either work direct or have some of us help you. Um, some our bigger brands, right? Our bigger organizations, they like to work direct. So we allow that autonomy as well. Um, so it's really you know, based upon um, the user of the system. So um, if you're a brand that has a lot of products and you have a lot of different channels or you're just starting out, um, sometimes you need more help or less help. Um, so we're always there to provide that support at the end of the day.
0: Well Steve I'm fascinated by what you're you're doing you've invented a whole new economy I think and <laughs> I picture you in that dark unused lecture hall at the university scribbling on whiteboards and then <laughs> and then we you, you, know, you use the word journey and we love that but it's an unmapped journey right you didn't know you were going to get here it just it emerged not at
2: all Started it started with dog toys and and ended here you know so it's amazing uh... What can happen? I spoke to the the University of Kansas students yesterday, and I was telling them my my last point. You know, consistency and grit is what I tell my team every single day. But also being flexible. I think this this world and as it's changing so quickly. Um, you know, the emergence of AI. I feel like it's swept swept the swept the world within the last two, couple weeks at least. Uh, you know, leading from CES. Um, that's all I've been hearing about. So I think things change so quickly. Um, that you really got to be on top of your game and really being able to recognize these trends as it happens and. Um, we certainly believe here at Gembo that we've um unlocked that key for entrepreneurs to really gain a ton of value. And um, you know, I think every day we're kind of constantly looking for more ways to provide that value and I'm um, just excited to really be at the at the start of this process.
0: Yeah, we use the term adaptive, which I'm not sure is the right one, but it's yeah <clears throat> there's no point in planning, there's no point in strategy. You just got to assemble the network as you do and and adapt to to what happens as a result. So I think you've you've captured that in a brilliant way.
2: Well, thank you. You're really changing our messaging
0: as we go. I'm taking notes. You know. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> well, Steve, thanks so much. Where should people go to uh, to look at Gemba? Yeah, come to uh,
2: gemba.com. So G-E-M, as in Mary B-A-H dot com. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, just go ahead and fill out the form, um, and you'll have a, a, a one of our account executives get back with you pretty quickly. So um, that would be the best way to get in touch.
0: Good. Well, Steve, you've opened up a whole new world. I, I, uh, I boggle at the potential. so we'll try and think it through and, and uh, thank you for giving us this vision into Gember and what you do. It's, it's, as I said, changing the structure of the economy. It's really something. So thank you very much.
2: Of course yeah, thanks for such being an, uh, such a gracious and insightful host.
1: I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. All right, take care.
1: Economics for Business is a production of the Mises Institute. To explore more content like this, visit econ4business.com. And for more from Hunter Hastings, visit hunterhastings.com.